stands The dice rule every random chance Take off your coat and stay a while We'll roll in that deep percent time Hi everyone, i got a lot of call-ins to get through. All of these today are something to do directly or indirectly with my Black Hat game that I'm running regularly, so I'm just going to get on with them. Hey up Dave, Chandy Andy here. I just wanted to thank you for your comment on random tables in the Purple Worm. Um, that was very, very illuminating and it was an excellent description of your sort of thought processes for how you use the um, random tables within the Black Hack. Um, and I've started to see, perhaps you brought it into focus to me, how to utilise those myself now. And that's something I've, I think I'm going to start to have a look at. And I particularly liked how you explained with, if you've only got a, you know two to three hours and you want the you know, players to make sure they hit the right rooms, then why not, um, you know, put them in as and when the time dictates throughout the session so uh, excellent thank you for taking the time for that Dave I really appreciate it and it's given me quite a bit to have a think about. Hi Andy thanks for calling in I appreciate this Andy's referring to a response I offered to his call-in on Purple Worm you can check out I'm not sure which episode it is but you can check out that on Purple Worm it's our most recent bonus call-ins episode Andy asked about how we were using random tables not just in prep but in play and uh, I offered an account of well cut long story short because you can go and listen to it but I offered an account of how I like to set up little games for myself I like to set up a certain amount of surprise for myself during the session so (laughs) sometimes I don't think I save a great deal of time by setting up my dungeon as a random table Um, but I certainly have fun doing it in prep set myself up a little game doing it that way and then it, it makes for a nice surprise during the session and then the bit that Andy's referring to, I break my own rules. I frequently break my own rules. One of the things I don't do is I don't assign particular room contents to particular locations on the map. In fact, I tend to pick up any old randomly generated map just before the session, although I do enjoy drawing the maps. But what that means, when I mentioned this to Che, he called it the quantum dungeon, which I quite like. But what it means is because the Black Hat game, more on this in a moment, I'm I'm really keen to get a dungeon finished within the time limit. Sometimes it doesn't matter. You play it old school. They go into the dungeon for as long as you've got, then they have to go out again. But sometimes you want a resolution. And the advantage of not having attached particular rooms to particular places in the map is I can just drop them in at such point as they become appropriate depending on where we are in that session it's not for everybody but it works for me particularly within the constraints i've set myself that uh, really any foray anywhere in the black hat game needs to finish pretty much within three hours more on that in a bit dave greetings from dublin uh conrad kinch here Just a question about the Mud Harbour game from a structural point of view. Um, In the event that you have this loose group of players and you're playing occasionally, 
How does that work in the event that you don't finish up uh, what you want to accomplish or what the players want to accomplish in a single session? Uh, does that mean you, you have to wait or you, you have to run a second session which finishes up uh, what you're doing at the moment? Or uh, are the players aware that they sort of have a time limit and they have to knock off whatever they want to do in one session? Uh, curious to hear the answer to that one. All the best. Good luck. Hey, Conrad, it's really good to hear from you. Thanks for the call in. I think this might be your first call to the show. We've interacted on Purple Worm, uh, but I very much appreciate uh, that you're listening and calling in. On the question about, yeah, so this really is a question about West March's play. I think here I am following the standard kind of West March's uh, formula. Uh, as I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, uh, I'm not going to go through what I mean by West March's. There is a link to the obvious blog. I've put it in these show notes again. So you can check out what I'm referring to when I'm referring to West March's play. But in answer to that query, yeah, each session must resolve each session always does resolve and that is an interesting challenge that's probably the biggest challenge of running the whole thing but exactly as you say i'm likely to get a different bunch of players each time which means i cannot ever end a session halfway through the story this actually is something i was coming towards in all of my other games anyway uh i i did an episode about running Numenera ages and ages and ages back. And that's one of the things I said about how I made Numenera work, that I did it episodically. Um, that's how I kept the mystery and the strangeness going. Every episode was a complete new mystery, a new weird location or a new weird object. And that's pretty much how the Black Hack goes. Whether they're in a dungeon, mucking about in a city that they've already been to, off on a hex crawl, um, each session must resolve in three hours. Now, with old school play, that's not so much of a problem. You know, you, you wander into the dungeon. If you don't find what you were looking for, well, then in another session, you wander back. And it's kind of my duty as the GM to change up the dungeon a little bit so it's not boring going back through the rooms one thing i will do is i allow a sort of there are some meta elements to the way that i run west marches so i don't want them going off over and over again traveling to places they've already been to so i've scattered around the and the map various points of light so once they reach an urban location i've actually put on the map some um some shrines which i'm calling waypoints (laughs) much like they are in video games but as they discover those shrines they haven't actually discovered any yet because they're not doing much hex crawling but when they do discover them they will actually become teleport points um, that they can fast travel to so it doesn't matter that the players the players can always start off from whatever location um, they want any point of light they can set out from Um, and as i say if you're playing old school um doesn't really matter if you run out of time in the dungeon because you, you just come out again. Um, and I, I would certainly allow a, an amount of fast travel, even though uh, it's a little bit meta. But if we got to a point where they'd been in the dungeon for three hours, we've got to stop and they haven't got where they're going. I will just quickly narrate that they get back out again, if I can get away with that. And we haven't had to do much of that because I use another little trick, um, which I was just explaining um, on the Purple Worm, which is that I... 
I underdetermine my dungeon locations and if there's a room which is really important for the resolution of the dungeon, I look at the time and I drop it in at the appropriate point in the session. That is uh, not, I suppose, in the spirit of old school play, some people would say, um, but is very much in the spirit of making that three-hour rule work. And it, as you pointed out, um, if I don't follow that rule, it won't work. Already it gets kind of interesting and convoluted because um, players will get themselves embroiled in particular things um, which will come back um, and be significant again in later sessions for that player regardless of who they're with um, and uh, Spencer discusses a bit of that in a moment but I don't see that as a problem I mean if you, if you, if you are accompanying Brap and you get set upon by a bunch of um, well-shod assassins who have been hired. Brap knows they've been hired by the Cobblers Guild to bump him off. The players he's with don't necessarily know that because they weren't with him when he offended the Cobblers Guild. Um, but it doesn't really matter. Brap can explain that. Um, but all the players have really got to deal with is the fact that for whatever reason, they are being attacked by ninjas. Um, so, the, so the various sort of complexities of urban play haven't turned out to be a problem. They've, they've made for some, for some nice surprises and some nice interactions between the characters about the various bits of trouble that they're getting each other into. Um, but yeah, that, that is my one hard rule about running West Marches. So sometimes actually the sessions finish a bit sooner. If we get to a good resolution point after two and a half hours, I'll knock it on the head there. If I think that squeezing out for another half an hour means that we'll get to a good point of resolution, then I'll allow that. Um, but the hard rule is the session must end. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. Just calling in about is your uh, Black Hat game easy to get into for uh, new players and I'd say it is I mean the way you have it set up to where a session ends it doesn't end in like a cliffhanger it doesn't end in the middle of a dungeon so you can drop in and out and I think for me it helps with Kez Kez because he's like this demon that's been reduced down to power and now is an imp cast out of hell so he can just wander for who knows what and who God knows what he does when he's not in a group with you guys but, um, and I think it helps with having a character like that who hop in and hop out, like, might need to have some help with some mortals, you know, or use them and abuse them. Who knows? But yeah, your game is definitely easy for any newcomer to play, even if they just play one time. That's it. Hi, Dave. Spencer here, just listening to your West Marches episode and, um, Edwin's call in there, um, one of the things that I find intimidating is the actual, the amount of stuff I've missed going on on the Discord. No doubt it's very helpful for many people catching up with what's going on. But um, yeah, as someone who kind of joined, I think, in session two and has sort of only had about seven sessions in total... Um, Yes, I've often found that uh, the Discord stuff has been quite overwhelming. But as far as getting into a session is concerned, I've really had no problems. You know, if I've missed out on a couple of uh, sessions that basically at the beginning, um, when, once everyone introduces them, yeah, once everyone's introduced their characters, and uh, you kind of set the scene quite succinctly, 
let us know about any kind of persistent problems, any ongoing issues. And, you know, there's even room to throw in a couple more rumours. I find it no problem whatsoever getting into the session, you know, because basically they are pretty self-contained. And even when things occur, like when we returned from that mansion heist uh, to find the cobbler assassins, um, I mean, any information about that all came flooding back to me. And anybody who wasn't privy to that information about my beef with the cobblers um, just are presented with a bunch of assassins and they need to dispatch them. And that's about it. Just dealing with what is immediately in front of you is fine. Yeah, so it might seem a little daunting going into a session, but, you know, within minutes, any um, reservations I've had about, um, you know, not being up to speed are quelled. And, uh, yeah, we can just get on with play, and um, that's fantastic. And thank you very much for uh, supplying that kind of uh, environment for us, Dave. I mean, certainly for me, who uh, quite often I will only know whether I'm joining a session maybe an hour or half an hour before, um, that's perfect. And the fact that you can accommodate me is brilliant. So thank you very much for that. So you go, you've got Josh Beckelheimer there and then Spencer free through with their views on how the West Marches thing is going, particularly with a view to information transfer between players. Thanks both for the call-ins. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a way, I think the way I'm running West Marches is an improvement on what happens when you've got, you know, a committed weekly campaign where with the best will in the world, sometimes players can't turn up. I firstly, I did it this way because I was just, it's just realistic about commitment. Uh, th- this whole online gaming thing is new to me, and it seems to me that it would be even harder to get people to commit to a week, long-term, weekly or fortnightly arrangement online. Not impossible. I know it does get, I know it does get managed, of course, um, if you're running a good game. But it seemed it would be. You know, I was just getting stuck into things. People don't really know me very well. To try and ask for buy-in for a long-term game just seemed like a big, just seemed like a big ask, and even more difficult online. So I'm not saying that's impossible. Of course, it's not. I know about all these um, regular online games that have got commitment. But just when I pitched this, I thought, well, if I pitch it as a casual game, drop in, drop out. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. That'll probably work better for some people and I was aware of West Marches although I'd never tried to run it before but if you think about it when you've got one of those regular games with the best will in the world sometimes people can't turn up you're in the middle of the story you're in the middle of the dungeon so you have that thing what are we going to do you have to come up with some special understanding some meta understanding of what's going on with that player who's not there and then when they turn up next week uh, everybody's got to bring them up to speed on what they missed when their character was supposedly there but they weren't Whereas, oh, I'm out in the dark, it's the evening and the, the, the moon just looks a, little, looks like a little nail jab. It's a tiny little sliver. It looks like a little, you know, when you dig your nails into something or maybe if you cut off a nail, it's just a tiny, thin little crescent. 
But what happens with the West Marches game is that, you know, if, you, if the player wasn't there, your character wasn't there. So there's actually nothing you need to know about what happened in that session. And if something happens in the next session you don't quite understand, well, find out from the other players maybe what's going on, but do it all in character. <laughs> so there's, no, there's actually no expectation. The world persists, uh, but your character was off somewhere else, they were drinking in the tavern. Um, so there's no expectation that you know about it. So actually that, that to me is um, much less of an expectation in terms of keeping up with events than you have in those regular games. Now, the Discord, yeah, I've really got carried away with the Discord, created loads of cha- channels for lots of different things. So we're doing, we're doing levelling up, because we're restricted for time in the sessions, we're doing levelling up in a channel. Um, I am seeding rumours in the channel to give players more of a chance of deciding what they want to do in between sessions, which helps me out with, their, uh, helps me out with the prep. Um, I've even done a channel for sharing loot (laughs) because these are the things some players in between sessions do like to get these things sorted. So instead of having the emails fly around, it just seemed like have these have these public channels on the server where everybody can get involved in those discussions if they want to. But as I say, there's no expectation, Spencer, that that a player necessarily would do that. Um, In fact, actually, the. You know, if, if you're not into that, just ignore them because then the confusion that your character feels or somebody else's character feels when they're suddenly getting attacked by ninjas because they happen to be associated. They don't even know which, which of the other characters they're associating with has brought this trouble on them. Um, but that is a real confusion. <laughs> All they've got to deal with, as you say, is the, is the reality. Time for a quick one from Joe. I think so. Yo, what up, Dave? It's Joe. And I was just listening to your Out of the Frying Pan episode, and I got to thinking, like, your kind of philosophy on your own academic work and how it should be a little challenging to get through and how the work makes it more, I don't know, more rewarding is kind of how I feel about a lot of games. I think if the game has a little complexity and you have to work a little bit at it I I, I just feel like there's more there it's more rewarding so I don't know I I thought that was an interesting kind of juxtaposition I saw anyway man it probably doesn't make a lot of sense but there it is peace out yeah thanks Joe this is on a slightly different topic but this seemed like the right place to put this one in so Joe's referring back to my view um, on literature. I responded to a question from Che about whether literature should be hard and I said, yep, I actually think I get long term, I get more out of a of a hard read, a highly elusive read, a read that makes you work a little bit um, than I than I do out of a of, of a lighter book. And I suppose that threatens to make me a bit of a liar because I like my rules light games. And I, my, my glib response would be to something like, say something like, yeah, but play's not, you know, the RPGs aren't work for me. <laughs> but, but that wouldn't be enough because I've said with literature enjoy, I enjoy. I like the literature to make me do a bit more work, to be a bit more challenging. So I suppose this calls for a kind of clarification, reconciliation. I think I can manage it, Joe. I'm not sure if I'll manage it to your satisfaction. But I have made clear that... 
you know, I don't like having to learn a lot of rules. Um, and it's not just about remembering. The, it's not just about remembering the rules. This is something which I found myself clarifying on an episode of Purple Worm, which you're not going to hear for a, for a few weeks, I don't think. But we, you know, I, I found myself saying, but the, the the thing that I like with rules light systems is not that they are simple, but they are, but that they are undetermined, or underdetermined. Sorry, um, and that means that the rules leave you loads of space to make judgments on the fly to be flexible to invent little mini games actually in a couple of episodes time i'll be talking about a couple of mini games that I sort of just dropped into the black hack as i was going along so so i'm not averse to challenging gaming but i like to have a little bit of a different challenge so the challenge i like is not the challenge that comes from having to master a complex system of rules i'm not saying i don't value that but it is not a challenge that i enjoy the challenge I like is the challenge of having to do something in the space that the rules leave you. And I enjoy that because I experience it as a freedom, as a creative freedom. Um, but I'm aware that other people are really nervous about doing things in that space. I'm not saying that you are. I'm, just, I'm aware that other people are nervous about that. But that's the challenge I really enjoy. The challenge of really being able to you know, respond to the characters and having the space to uh, you know, respond to the players and what, what they want to do with their characters and having the space to come up with things on the fly. Um, and as you've seen from the, from the previous call-in from Spencer, actually, actually having a nice light game um, is no impediment to developing real complexity in a campaign. <laughs> I mean, if you do go on uh, the, uh, the deeper centile discord server and have a look in all of those various different channels that i've got you know the game is is flying out in all sorts of different directions there are all sorts of complexities of things that the characters are involved in and different motivations and all kinds of different threads going on so i think that's the thing i'm not averse at all to challenge in my gaming i like the challenge associated with being responsive in emergent storytelling and I feel that I've got more freedom and space I'm not saying it's impossible in other systems but I personally feel I've got more freedom and space to do that the more underdetermined the rules are and then just personally I don't like the challenge that is associated with having to master complex rule sets and learn um, significant amounts of rules but I'm also aware that Rule sets that I consider to be complex and feel that are quite a challenge to master, other people don't find so so challenging. So I know we've talked about that before, Joe, and that you feel that some of these rule sets I say, oh God, I can't be bothered to learn that. You don't actually find it very difficult to, to learn them. So there's room here, as always, for different kind of tastes, different experiences of, of gaming. But I hope I've, I've reconciled those two things. I like my rules light systems, not because I find them easy, but because I find them underdetermined, which, which, which then creates a space which I experience as a space to be really free and creative and actually I find that a challenge and that's a challenge that I enjoy. Right and I'm out of time so I'm going to say thank you for all those wonderful call-ins to Shandy Andy of Unguarded Treasure B52, to Conrad Kinch, um, first time caller, I think Conrad is also planning a podcast, no episodes yet but as soon as I see something emerge there I will let you all know to Josh Beckelheimer of the excellent JB Publishing podcast, to Spencer or Free Thrall of Keep Off the Borderlands and to Joe Richter of Hindsightless 
and Wheel or Woe. While I'm doing the thank yous, I'm going to say thank you to TJ Drennan for my excellent Deep Percentile theme, uh, and thank you to Tim Haywood for the tune which is playing behind me now, and thank you to Liren, of course, for always doing the little bit which comes afterwards. Quick shout-out, we have just released on Purple Worm the second instalment of our Riddling Reaver actual play. We had a blast <laughs> recording that. Um, I hope you get something out of it if you decide to listen to it. We had a lot of fun. Uh, and I will catch you soon. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact Dave, please leave a message on Anchor, email dpercentile at gmail.com, or find him on Twitter at d underscore percentile.